How's it going, everybody? This is the Nitty Gritty. My name is Chad. With me is Leonard. We have a webcast slash podcast that we do weekly about various wrestling topics. Please check us out on Apple Podcasts and Spotify if you want to listen to us instead of watch us, which I would understand. But uh, either way, this week we are going to bring you another rebook. So we decided we've done some older events this is one of this is the newer newest event we've ever done and the event is december to dismember from 2006 it took so it's still like 15 years old right (laughs) yeah yeah it is yeah it's yeah i don't know how much newer we i guess we could probably get newer if we really wanted to yeah i mean we could do anything i would just have to watch it this one is notorious for many reasons but it took place December 3rd, 2006 at the James Brown Arena in Augusta, Georgia. And obviously it was meant to be primarily with stars from the ECW brand. And that really didn't happen totally. There were stars from both Raw and SmackDown who also worked the show. Um, and this was obviously it was the second installment of the December to Dismember event. It was an ECW event in 1995. And we let's get to the card before we get to some of the aftermath, because there's a lot of aftermath here. Yeah. But in a dark match, you had Stevie Richards defeating Rene Dupree, the Hardys defeating Eminem, Balls Mahoney defeating Matt Stryker, Elijah Burke and Sylvester Turquay defeating the FBI, Davari defeating Tommy Dreamer, Ariel and Kevin Thorne defeating Kelly Kelly and Mike Knox. And in the main event, it was an extreme elimination chamber match for the ECW championship with Bobby Lashley defeating Big Show, Test, Rob Van Dam, Hardcore Holly, and CM Punk. Sabu was supposed to be in this event, but uh, couldn't, and so was replaced uh with hardcore holly so the extreme elimination chamber concept every star received a weapon of choice in their pods with them and so there you have the extreme concept so let's just give our opinions here quickly before we get to some of the events that happened afterwards um this time in my life anyway i had graduated college in 2005 i had i was still kind of looking to get a firm career under my belt and you know move in with my wife who lived in a different state so i had a lot going on and the reason i mention all that is because i really wasn't watching a lot of the wwe product at this time it it really it just it wasn't interesting to me because i had a lot of really kind of important life things going on i still did write for 411 mania at the time and uh that was fun it was mainly i was just doing movie stuff um so i was kind of loosely keeping up with the product but i really wasn't watching it week to week and uh but uh, certainly i have watched this event since then and it's just it's not very good it's not a very good use of the talent it didn't really do the ecw brand any favors the stars in the elimination chamber match were not really the type of people you would want promoting the ECW brand if you really wanted to get it popular, in my opinion. Um, so yeah, there was a lot of creative differences, which we'll get to. Uh, but Leonard, what, did you watch this live or did you check it out later on like I did? No, you know, I was watching ECW weekly on TV at the time. But the, I think the most telling thing is even though I know I was watching it, I couldn't remember anything about the rosters and the storylines right so i think that speaks to what a mess it was how boring it was yeah and that it was an unmemorable mess you know at that uh not just this pay-per-view but everything that was going on i know in a minute here we're going to get into what some of those things were but this show itself it's just a week after survivor series there were only two matches announced prior and this led to this show having one of the lowest buy rates and live attendance figures of any WWE pay-per-view ever. And those two announced matches were the Elimination Chamber main event and the opening tag match. 
And most people will tell you those were the two best matches on the card. Right. Everything else in the middle, middle will be considered hot garbage. Right. Uh, and and again, I know you want to go into the, into the aftermath, but that that would be my next thoughts because I think a lot of what happened just you know within weeks of the show kind of speaks to how bad it was. Right. And, you know, one of the main things was less than 24 hours after this event took place, uh, WWE announced that Vince McMahon had sent Paul Heyman home, citing slumping television ratings and a disgruntled talent roster that caused his dismissal. And, you know, he was pulled from ECW's creative team and McMahon kind of put the blame on how the pay-per-view was poorly received. But, you know, even though payment was still under contract, he was sent home. And the major difference, and this has been talked about, uh, uh, you know, a lot on something to wrestle with Bruce Bruce Pritchard, that Paul Heyman wanted every wanted CM Punk to beat everybody with his finishing maneuver at the time, which is the Anaconda device. He wanted CM Punk to kind of run the table and win the entire event, and that didn't happen. Vince McMahon didn't like that idea, and you know. Pritchard has cited that if you really shout about something often enough, it works to your disadvantage in many ways. It doesn't get the, it doesn't get McMahon's attention in a positive way. It actually can backfire on you. And it did backfire on Heyman and it backfired on Punk who, you know, would cite this situation in his famous pipe bomb promo uh, years later. So yeah, that, that was the main thing. And, you know, critics had a negative reaction to it. And, you know, uh, Wrestling Observer called it one of the worst major wrestling show of the year. And since then, it's been considered one of the worst pay-per-views that WWE has ever produced. So there should also be mentioned that Stevie Richards and Tommy Dreamer both asked for their releases yeah. immediately following the show. And they were refused. And Big Show... Uh, who was the champion, he wound up taking a long sabbatical, would be gone more than a year right. right after this. And then right after the first of the year in early January, they wound up releasing uh, uh, s- several of the names that were working with ECW at, at, at the time. So, you know, Heyman was really a scapegoat here. I mean, you said yourself, right. Heyman wanted to do this. Vince did that, but blamed Heyman anyway. Right. So he blamed Heyman for the stuff that he wanted to do. And more than Vince, this was around the time where Stephanie McMahon was really in charge of creative and she wanted to write soap operas. She wanted soap opera storylines. And I think the idea was that they wanted to recreate the original ECW and, and they were, you know, moving away from the ruthless aggression era. They were, they weren't to the PG era yet. They were getting there. And I think there was the idea of taking all the salacious stuff and shifting it to the ECW brand without them, particularly Stephanie, having any idea of what made the original ECW work and not work. Right. So, you know, why I don't know if having Punk run the table and giving him a super push at this time would have been the smartest thing to do. Um, I, 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 I do believe it might have been better to let Heyman have more of the reins than, than they did. And uh, before we get going here, I just want to say, in my rebooking, when I considered this show and I looked at things, I wanted to break out the talent from the elimination chamber and use them up and down the card more. Because for this exercise we're doing, I think you get more value of doing that. I wanted to mix the old and new ECW talent, and I wanted to deliver a show that feels like a transition from the original ECW to the WWE version. Now, I know that we talked about since they actually used other talent on the show, not just strictly ECW people, that we could use other WWE people. I try to mainly use ECW uh, uh-huh. people. Uh, I have one major exception to that and one super mega cheat that we will get to. Yeah, I did not do what you did. And okay. uh, it, it, this is going to be fun. I had a lot of fun doing this. Initially, I was drawing a blank. And I was mm-hmm. like, oh, man, what do I do with these with this roster there's so many people and like do i want to i have i have a lot of thoughts and we'll get into some of those thoughts so we are going to start our rebook and run down the matches that we had here and before we get into our main cards leonard do you have any dark matches i do i have one dark match and it is stevie richards versus tommy dreamer uh two old school ecw guys 
uh, I would say just let them go out there and have a traditional ECW style match to kind of wake up the crowd and introduce things. Uh, both of these guys could still work pretty well at this point, and we're still pretty good in the ring, uh, even outside of the so-called, you know, garbage wrestling ECW was known for. Uh, so this was just, uh, to me, it's just saying, yes, we are ECW and kind of just getting the crowd going. All right. Well, they uh, probably faced each other a number of times, and I'm sure it would be... Oh entertaining to see it here uh i had a dark match and a sunday night heat slash pre-pay-per-view preview match oh that's even better so yeah because this this roster was huge so i i used i used a lot so my dark match i had shannon moore versus super crazy i figured what you know why not just have two high flyers in there doing their thing and my sunday night heat pre-pay-per-view preview match would have been one of the matches from the original card, which is the Hardy Boys versus Eminem. Oh, okay. if you're trying to sell pay per views, what better way than to feature this tag team match, which was well praised from the original event? If you want people to catch the attention of what you're doing, have guys in there that can really help you sell some pay per views to people that might be on the fence. So, having said that, I will let you, Leonard, go over your first match. Okay, first match, and uh, I'm going to guess you're going to hate this. Uh, It is an elimination four-way tag match for the ECW tag team titles, featuring the Basham brothers of Doug and Danny versus the FBI of Little Guido and Tony Mameluke versus the Great Kelly and DeVere versus the knockout and tap-out connection, a name that never got over, of Elijah Burke and Sylvester Turkai, or as I like to call him, Sly Turkey. So if you want ECW to be considered legitimate as its own brand, I think you need to have tag team titles, which it never had. The original ECW did. These guys never had tag belts. So the Basham brothers, just to mention, were working as Paul Heyman's personal security force under masks. So they were there, but they weren't known. Take the masks off. Let them be them. Let them just be introduced as the Bashams here. Uh, everyone else is basically the tag teams that were available on ECW at the time. One thing I would definitely do would be to have a face-off between Turkai and Kali. And this might be surprising, and that's probably why you're going to hate this, but I would put the belts on Kali and Devery because that's the best way to promote and protect Kali, who is still very much at this time a spectacle, you know, uh, but was terrible in the ring and always was. So you let Davari, who was a decent hand, do most of the heavy lifting in the tag matches with Kali coming in and doing his clubbing stuff and wear down stuff. And I would immediately feud them with Burke and Turkai coming out of this. So I would have pretty much the, so I would have the Bashams get eliminated, then the FBI, and then uh, Burke and Turkai at the end with Kali and Davari going over. So given ECW itself was a small roster, I think what you would do is have... Uh, a series of like maybe four to six week feuds uh, with your tag champs and another team. And while that's going on, you're, you're possibly building the next contenders by giving them some jobber squashes. So it's not a deep tag field, but I still feel that the brand would benefit from having tag belts. Well, I mean, I, I like the match itself. Now the winners. Yeah. I might, uh, I might pick different, different winners but you know i guess you know in, in your head they kind of had a aj styles uh amos type uh yes chemistry going on which uh mm-hmm. is working for those two guys but davari is not aj styles and great Kali is not a moss but no anyway uh now i i do agree with you about the tag team titles though i think that they could have used that you know had the had the brand flourished um but yeah and you know what, though? I, I always thought the Bashams were underrated. I just think they needed a little bit of a, a style makeover, maybe, or like something to make them pop a little bit. Mm-hmm. I, I thought that they did okay. They just kind of never were given uh, a little extra boost. And I don't mean push, just something to kind of get them out there more. Um, but anyway, um, so before I get to my first match, this is a rebook, and hindsight is 2020. So let's look at it the ecw brand under the wwe umbrella did not work so if it didn't work then was the december to dismember idea a good one i would say no i think making a pay-per-view of just this brand 
when you have so many other pay-per-views going on. As Leonard mentioned, this is just after Survivor Series. There's another pay-per-view coming up really shortly after this one. There's a lot going on, and I think it may have been a little too much, but we have to have an event, right? So I would have changed the name. I would have changed the name of this event. Now, and they wouldn't have the Elimination Chamber be an event onto its own until 2010, but I can do what I want. So this would be the inaugural Elimination Chamber pay-per-view event. I, that I would change it, and I would still feature ECW talent, but I would feature other talent as well. And as I hopefully intend to prove, I would get the brand out there in other ways where I'm not trying to throw in people's face. This is an ECW event, but we know it's not because it's under WWE ownership and it's not the same. So I would try to get the brand over in a more cerebral way. Um, and so by doing that, I would just, I would change it and just have it be an elimination chamber event. So having said that, <laughs> my first match would be William Regal versus Eugene. So the best I could tell, now obviously they were a tag team and they were really successful yeah. as a tag team, but the best I could tell, this match never took place. And if it did, it was maybe a one-off. I couldn't see that they had a feud. Um, if I'm wrong, people out there can correct me. But the way I looked at it is that it didn't really happen because Eugene had been out, you know, for some of his issues and, you know, kind of in and out. So I would have that be a feud here. You could think of many different storylines. You know, you could have, obviously, the easier way would be Regal being the heel and, you know, maybe saying something to the effect like his time with Eugene didn't help his career and they have a feud that way and, you know, you know, maybe Eugene's sad because Regal turned his back on him, whatever you want to do. And if I were kicking off that feud here, I would have Regal go over maybe with some interference by Dave Taylor, who he was aligned with at this time as well. So that is my opening match. And so Leonard, what are your thoughts on my title change? Not, you know, title being the name of the yes. and my first match. So, so you would never call it December to this member, or is the change happening at some point? Like we're, like no, you're originally. I, I would if it were, if I were the owner, I'd be like, okay, we shouldn't make this strictly an ECW branded event. Let's have some ECW people on it, but let's change it to be an elimination chamber event, which highlights the chamber, not necessarily just the brand. Well, in that way, then I think it works because why would you be having a pay-per-view so soon after Survivor Series? And as you said, so shortly before your monthly December pay-per-view, why do something special? Initially, we we're doing something special because it's a ECW branded pay-per-view. So here you're still having something special. It's an Elimination Chamber branded pay-per-view. And of course, this is something they would start doing in 2010. So it's not outside of the realm of possibility right. it's, it's early but it's a little it's bit of time already, yeah yeah which i which i've done you know in my rebook <laughs> so it might be something that was already on the table that they were thinking about so yeah as a concept it's we're going to focus on the chamber then i think it's fine again you we're not going to have anything close to the same this time no, we're not initially we when i was thinking about this i had wondered i was like well maybe he'll keep this or keep that but now that i know what you're a little bit of what you're doing i know we're not going to be anywhere on the same page which i like it should be more yeah. that way yeah again my concept your concept totally different and that's fine because then we're <laughs> going to see how things could have been different and how things could have been worked as for the first match i did a quick look when you were talking and no i didn't see anything pop up about regal versus eugene um, this would be a whole separate show talking about the Eugene character and Nick Dinsmore. Right. I did not like the Eugene character, and I know it was supposedly Nick Dinsmore's idea, but it seemed like a character that cut him off the knees because he oh, I agree was a good worker if you watched OVW stuff. So, so on paper, Regal versus Nick Dinsmore, I think, is a really, really good match, you know, and even versus Eugene, I think it could still work. But at the same time, I could see them getting in more comedy spots yeah. than maybe doing a straight serious match. So it's going to be more of an entertainment thing than a straight match. Well, that straight match would have been really good. So, and I would agree with putting Regal over, especially considering that Eugene flamed out as a character very quickly. 
So I would definitely go with Regal getting the win as a heel. So that's that's an interesting idea, and I like. And actually, I do something not not the, not the same booking, but the idea of oh, this was something, this was a feud, or this was something that happened that didn't get a, a blow off, and then right. let's blow it off. So I do have something like that coming up, uh, but not this match. My next match is an ECW Legends Kendo Stick match. And it's not the rock with a kendo stick. Oh, well, you know. (laughs) But it's the Sandman versus Sabu. So you take two of your top ECW legends that you had under contract and you throw them into a match with a gimmick. You know, Sandman is known for using a kendo stick. Sabu's a stranger to one. Similar idea to my dark match. You know, just let these guys go out there and show what old school ECW was all about. And I would actually put the Sandman over here because, believe it or not, he seemed to be more popular at the time. He was working this gimmick where he would just run down to the ring and beat the crap out of weirdos like the ECW zombie and then getting out. So, And he actually has an appearance like this. I forget which match it is now where he comes down and he does that. Uh, So I would put the Sandman over. And again, the idea of making this an ECW branded pay-per-view, doing a weapons match like this hey i i would watch that all day i think that that would be a lot of fun and uh it would have been interesting to see how the brand would have been different if they really really tried to understand what made the original promotion popular and maybe tried to to work on that as opposed to trying to change the promotion to be more wwe centric um but yeah that would be an entertaining match as well um so my number two match, and one of the, and before I say it, one of the reasons I think this pay-per-view wasn't very good is because there, other than the ECW championship, there was no titles defended here. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you need to have something to look forward to in that regard. You need to have, like, you know, anything could happen type of thing going on. And in my pay-per-view, when you say anything could happen, that is, you need to take that literally. So my next match would be Brian Kendrick and Paul London versus Jamie Noble and Gregory Helms in a tornado tag team match with both the tag team titles and the cruiserweight title on the line. So like, that's something that you would see here and there in, in, you know, in many promotions, you would see different both titles of something on the line. So I would have this be a tornado tag team match with all those titles on the line. Um, For people who might not remember, Gregory Helms had a really long reign as the cruiserweight champ. Um, you know, he's, he's very underrated. I, I, I like him a lot. And I think that this would, I mean, gosh, this would have been a barn burner of a match. Uh, Brian Kendrick and Paul London were great. Uh, I always thought Jamie Noble and Gregory Helms were underrated. Were they a tag team? No, but this is my rebook. So I think that this would be a really fun match and I would have Kendrick and London win this and how I would have it end is I would have Noble be the one pinned Helms takes the cruiserweight title, claims he didn't lose it because he wasn't pinned. Then, you know, you have an automatic feud with either Kendrick or London and Helms, you know, on the next show feuding over the cruiserweight title. And maybe if it's London against Helms at the next event, you have Helms win it. So, you know, he could argue he never really lost it. You could do a lot of different things with that, I think, but I I would – I would watch this match all day. That's why I put it here. So technically, since London pinned Noble, would that make London the cruiserweight champion? Yeah. Okay. Uh, interesting concept. Yes. Um, <laughs> is I there think any? You have thoughts. That's all right. Go ahead. Is there is there any build to this, or is it just you're just doing it? Yeah, I mean, at this point, like I have storylines with some of my other matches. In this case. <laughs> I, you know, we're, we're just doing it. Um, now, okay. Brian Kendrick and Paul London would defend the tag team titles at one of the subsequent pay-per-views. It was like a four-way, I think. I know Eminem was involved and other people were involved. And like the, the tag division was really a mixed bag in this era, mm-hmm. but these two are really good. So if you're going to have two high flyers, have people in there that can have chemistry with them. And I think that these two guys would have chemistry with them. I agree with you. It would be a, a barn burner. I think making a tornado tag allows all four teams to, or I said all four men on the two teams, I should say, just do a lot of, I could see a lot of crazy spots, a lot of, you know, 
everyone flying out of the ring, everyone jumping in the ring, action going inside, action going outside, super fast-paced match. Um, I can see it being relatively short, like under 10 minutes. Yeah. But the fact that they go so fast, it would work in so much stuff. Like there would be so many spots. Absolutely. Uh, considering how fast these guys could go. And I and if you're going to book something like this, I like your idea of it. Because not only, like you said, do you get a feud between Helms and in London and or Kendrick, but also Noble, because Helms would blame Noble for the loss. So there's right. a lot that you can... So while you're saying, oh, we're just doing this, you do have ideas coming out of it. So you right. have potential storylines coming out of it. So yeah, that would be a, definitely a really awesome high spot field match. And I should add before you get to your next match, Leonard, how many matches do you have total? I only have seven. Okay. So this is this is another way we're different. So I have I have nine main matches, excluding okay. the two that I already mentioned. So okay. okay. So that so you go ahead. I'll probably finish up early and that's fine. So, because my next is actually, it's not a match. It's a segment. I, I thought have... about, see, I'm glad that you did this because I thought about doing this and I kind of did in a weird twisted way, but didn't, but go ahead. Okay. So my segment and the segment leads to a match is a bikini contest hosted by Paul Heyman between Trinity, Ariel and Kelly Kelly. So WWE, as I mentioned in the intro, was starting to move away from more of the TNA stuff they were doing previously, but that more extreme stuff was going to ECW. Kelly uh, was working an exhibitionist gimmick at the time, and in the mixed tag match on the show, Ariel wore the tiniest thong possible and then a bunch of moves to show her ass, and actually the crowd starts chanting for her, for her butt. Ariel's ass is probably one of the most over things on the entire show. <laughs> if you watch it so you know anyway go ahead and do something titillating here so you know you want to use paul Heyman because he was like the on-air commissioner type role let him host it so you can use him and someone out there who can sell anything make anything work and if you're doing an audience vote then obviously kelly is going to win as the face the heel girls would then beat her up and this draws out Mike Knox, who was Kelly's boyfriend, storylines at the time to save her, which draws out Kevin Thorne. And that leads to the actual match, which is Kevin Thorne with Ariel versus Mike Knox with Kelly Kelly. So not exciting for sure. Yes, I know. But they were feuding on television at the time. And this is still me trying to think logically on these shows, bringing in the storylines from television, using the stuff that ECW had at the time. So... Ariel and Kelly would recover, be on the outside for their men. Kelly would do something to distract Knox, maybe try to strip, and that allows Thorne to roll him up with a handful of tights for the victory. So I wouldn't pull the trigger on the heel turn here that happened on the actual show when Knox walks out on Kelly, uh, but I would set it up. I would have him mad at her, and then you can have the payoff, you can have the turn on your next episode of regular television or what have you. So again, the idea, the paper, the TV should be used to build to the pay-per-view, but you should do some things on the pay-per-view that builds back to your TV. Oh, absolutely. I agree. I, I, I like the segment, the match, you take it or leave it, but uh, yep. Hey, I, you know, we, I would like watching the women. I, I thought about doing something similar to what you, you, you laid out. And, you know, I was like, well, you know, I have all this other stuff going on. So I didn't go that way, but I like that you did. Okay. So Good. My next match I don't know how you're going to feel about this one, Leonard, but I'm proud of it. So okay. I have, it's a fatal four-way, and it's The Undertaker versus Mr. Kennedy versus The Boogeyman versus a mystery opponent. It's a fatal four-way casket match. So who's the mystery opponent? So Mr. Kennedy and The Undertaker were having a big feud at this time. They had a few different matches. I feel like this would be an interesting interlude to that feud um, because we are literally in the middle of that feud at this event so mr kennedy tries to recruit the boogeyman and who is that is it kevin thorne it might be kevin thorne he has his mordecai gear on <laughs> oh okay <laughs> so you have undertaker mr kennedy the boogeyman and kevin thorne in his mordecai gear in a casket match of course the undertaker would go over mm. but it would be really interesting to see 
Mr. Kennedy try to recruit these other two guys to try and gang up on the Undertaker. It doesn't go the way he wants. You get to see Mordecai against the Undertaker, which initially was going to be a plan, but it didn't happen. At this point, Kevin Thorne is more of like a vampire character. But yes. uh, anyway, it would be cool. He didn't have to dye his hair back to white or anything. He could just come out in the Mordecai gear and, you know, you would have the really, really inside fans get a kick out of that. So there you go. <laughs> well, you know, I think it's interesting that you've got three people who have what I would call like a creepy gimmick. Right. And then, and then Mr. Kennedy. But well, then yeah. as you said, I had thought about doing another like kind of cartoonish character in this. But I was like, well, I was like, I really can't do that because he's in a feud with Mr. Kennedy. Like, mm -hmm. so if I have, you know, so that's why I chose to go with the Mr. Kennedy route because I, I forget who else I had in this, but it was somebody also, I, oh, you know what? I was going to put Kane in it. Oh, okay. And I didn't. And I was like, well, no. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, it, it, make, it makes sense. You can be because of, because of the, of the feud. And I do like the, I, I could see vignettes of him trying to like recruit boogeyman, like get boogeyman on his side and being like trying to pretend like he's cool with the worms <laughs> and he's cool with like, the, like him smashing the clock and all this weird stuff. So I think you get some comedy out of that. And yeah, the, the real insider having Thorne come out as Mordecai gear, but still announced, I was I assuming he still announced it as Kevin Thorne and treated as Kevin Thorne. Sure, yeah, you could, yeah, right. you could treat it all the same, but you have him coming out. You could even have him come out with whatever, you know. Yeah, the staff he the staff had. He I can't had, you know. Yeah. So, yeah, I like that idea because, as you said, it's a deep cut for the fans. <laughs> and I think that would be a fun wink. And I think you can get a story in the match of Kennedy. I can see your mind doing somersaults right now. trying to. It is. It is because I'm trying to picture the match in my head and how it would go. And Kennedy, you know, getting trying to get those two guys on his side and trying to get like a, a trio, you know, against to take her, basically make it a three on one. And those guys turning on Kennedy. And yeah, I mean, there's a lot that could go on here. It's a sports entertainment match for sure. Absolutely. Uh, but I think it's a cool idea. I like I, I, I like it the more I think about it. So who goes, do, do all three go in the casket or does Taker just have to put one guy in the casket? No, I would put Kevin. I would put Kevin Thorne in the casket. Thorne would go in the casket. Yeah, ab absolutely. Because then you continue the Mr. Kennedy feud and he's unscathed for the most part. And, uh, you know, yeah, put Kevin Thorne in there. Doesn't really matter what happens to him anyway. No, doesn't matter at all. <laughs> So my next bout is a double tables match, Rob Van Dam versus Hardcore Holly. So this is what I said about paying off something that never had a payoff. So uh, Holly went through a career resurgence in ECW, and that started with a match between RVD and Holly, where Holly suffered a severe back laceration after hitting a table, and he continued to work through the match. And that's one thing I do remember from this time. And I said, I didn't remember everything. I do remember that match and that back laceration. This was a super big thing. And WWE never really capitalized on it. You know, because of that, Holly got some street cred with the ECW fans. And he wound up turning like sort of quasi face, even though Heyman was still kind of leaning on him a little bit. And as mentioned, he got the Sabu spot in the elimination chamber. But there was never really, I don't think, a blow off between RVD and Holly. Right. So Holly's looking for revenge. And while it may, might make sense to put Holly over storyline wise, you're not jobbing out RVD to hardcore Holly. So that's why I did the double table stipulation. Holly can get that cathartic revenge by putting RVD through one table. But then Van Dam would win after a hell of a match from Holly that would continue to make him strong for the brand. So I would have him hit get the first table rvd the second they fight over that third with with rob just barely getting holly through it and they're both kind of collapsed at the end because i do think you can still get more mileage out of holly on the ecw brand and with the cred that he got from working through that one match and if you let them go out there and have a hell of a tables match i think that helps put them both over Absolutely. That would be, that would be entertaining. And I do remember that uh, back laceration. That was uh, an incredible visual at the time. And, uh, you know, hardcore Holly's had a lot of 
you know, crazy injuries in his career, but that have kind of added to his whole, you know, outlook as being like a, a really tough guy. And uh, yeah, I think that this would be, uh, this would be a fun match. I, you know, RVD, I don't think it's enough credit for like having chemistry with just about anybody. And uh, I think that this could be, this would be a lot of fun. Absolutely. Um, so my next match is for the women's championship. Now you had Mickey James versus Lita at survivor series. And in reality, that was Lita's last match. She had gotten tired of the crowds and the way that she was being treated. And that was the end, but it, you know, you didn't really know that. So what I would have here is Mickey James versus Lita hair versus career. And it would be for the women's title. Obviously I would still have Lita lose. Mickey James was, you know, was the female wrestler at this time. Uh, she was, she was great in every way. And so I, I would just have this be, you know, the ultimate blow off, you know, have Lita end her career and, you know, have her get a standing ovation, whatever you want to do, try and make her look good in the crowd's eyes. Again, if that's possible, I realized there was a lot going on here at that time, but Anyway, that's what I would do. If you're going to have the women on here, this is how I would do it. I think, Lita, you could get her to come back because it's just a week after Survivor Series and you tell her, we want to honor you on your way out the door. Yes, we want you to put Mickey over. And I think Lita would be fine with that. But but we're going to honor you. And I think if you let them go out there and have the match they could have. And... I think people overrate Lita in the ring. I don't think she was that great, but I think she was serviceable. And Mickey James is great. And Mickey James could get a very good match out of Lita. So if you let them go out there, you give them time, you let them work, you let them have a hell of a match, you let Mickey squeak the win. I think you could see the crowd really get behind Lita and do a thank you, Lita chant and 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 really send her off on a nice note. And I think that's a good thing to do. And I like the idea of it. Um, I like the idea of Mickey putting her hair on the line because it, it makes you think that, I mean, she could lose. Actually, most people probably think Mickey would lose. Oh, Lita's not going to retire, but they could shave Mickey's head. They shave right, right. Mickey's heads all the time. So I kind of like that idea because, again, even with the dirt sheets and everything, not everyone knew what was going on behind the scenes. So I think most people would probably be surprised by the Lita loss. And not only do you send Lita off nice, but you get Mickey over really big that's a even though she was you know top of the mountain as you said that's going to push her up even higher so you know you're getting everyone over absolutely um so what do you got next leonard so next up this is my super mega cheat and it is a triple threat match eminem of john morrison and joey mercury with melina versus the hardy boys of matt and jeff versus the new age outlaws of billy gunn and road dog so the New Age Outlaws were in TNA at this time as the Voodoo Kin Mafia, which we talked about <laughs> some in the Nikki Rock Spotlight video. Yeah. The Hardy Boys issued an open challenge for the pay-per-view, which Eminem accepted. However, on TNA television, VKM said that they were answering the, ch the challenge and that they were coming, but they didn't show up. Right. <laughs> of course they didn't show up. Since this was something floated, like, this is a possible. This is my cheat. We said we could have one cheat. Yeah. So this is my cheat. So Eminem and the Hardys are in the ring. They're ready to go. The music hits. The NAO come out and say, hey, we said we were taking the challenge. We're here to make it to take the challenge. And it becomes a triple threat. So if the New Age Outlaws are going to stay, I would have them win to reestablish themselves. If not... I would have the Hardys get the win over them to protect Eminem. Right. Uh, so I don't know what this would be. <laughs> whether it's the N -O -N -A, whether it's the New Age Outlaws, I'm trying to say NAO, whether it's the Outlaws walking out of their contract or doing a one-shot deal because the WWE isn't worried about TNA at all, we don't care. Because if you look back at the time, I mean, they let people go, they went to TNA, didn't bother when it seemed. So I think this is certainly plausible and would get a big pop and we get a lot of people talking to have them show up. So I'm not sure what the, what the execution is of having them come over, as I said, 
but um, it, it would be something uh, tremendous. And if they do stay on TNA, I think it would certainly give them a boost, but it wouldn't give them a prolonged boost. And if it is them coming back uh, full time, as you said, the tag division was a little wonky at this at this portion. So bringing back the New Age Outlaws, I think, would certainly help to shore things up uh, a bit, especially if you can enter them into a high profile feud right away with either the Hardys or possibly um, uh, M&M. This would yeah, this would be entertaining. And, you know, in reality, I think if this were to happen, I think that you would have the Hardys go over, but Eminem would take the fall so that, you know, TNA, the, you know, VKM could go back to TNA and, you know, have keep their head held high. TNA doesn't lose out on much because they didn't take the fall. Um, but the Hardys won and the crowd gets, a, you know, a surprise. But this would be a lot of fun to watch. Mm-hmm. um for sure and yeah i mean just thinking about the reaction of like when the hardys reunited at wrestlemania you know to think about the new age outlaws coming out would 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 have been really cool for sure so my next match is an ecw rules battle royal <laughs> i have kane test snitsky sabu sandman finley hardcore holly mark henry finley and mvp in an ECW rules battle Royal. So obviously you got to go over the top rope, but it's ECW rules. So everybody has weapons and it's just insane and chaotic. And I would have Kane go over. Did you say Finley twice? Did I? Yeah, I, I did. Said, I thought you said Finley twice. Yeah, so, he gets, so he gets eliminated and he comes back. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, I did say, I did say Finley twice. So you know what? Um, to round out my 10, I would just have Tommy dreamer be the uh there you go makes sense again you're you know the one thing that maybe the one thing you may have something else later but again like i talked about having something ecwe and you do so i like the idea of a weapons battle royal i i think they've done those in the past having kane win of course makes the most sense considering he's your biggest guy he's your biggest star and he's the guy that is known for throwing out the most people in the royal rumble and usually does well in battle royals so yeah i think you've got the right amount you got the right guys in there the brawlers the bruisers the original ecw guys i don't see this being a very long match i could see it (laughs) being just high octane quick eliminations and just something to get a lot of guys on the show you could have some peeps some stuff going on on the outside like maybe somebody goes some people go through the middle ropes or the bottom ropes and uh you know there's a lot of weapon usage but uh yeah, at the end of the day, you would have Kane maybe go over uh, MVP or Mark Henry last the longest. But yeah. Okay. So what do you got next? So next, it, this is the only match that we might have in common. I could see you doing this because it's the only time where I'm importing a WWE talent. And it is, so I, I won't say who it is to start with. I'll give you my lead up. <laughs> so leading up to the show, I would have CM Punk complain about how he's not booked on the show. You know, we mentioned how there's only two matches announced. I would have more matches be announced as we lead into it, even through the series. So by the time we get here, everything's announced. So every week, CM Punk waits to hear his name. You know, and, you know, Paul Heyman is announcing stuff and he's not getting booked and he thinks he's being held down. So, and there is some truth to that because as we talked about, Heyman was big on Punk. The McMahons weren't. So he wanted to use him. They didn't, so he's not getting booked on the show. So on the go-home show, right before, you know, the event, I have Punk going into the ring and saying he won't leave until he's given a match in December to this member. Heyman comes out and says, hey, I was looking out for you all along. I pulled some strings, and I went outside of ECW. I went into WWE, and I'm bringing in for you CM Punk the best possible opponent for you to have the best match possible on the show. And you are going to face Shawn Michaels. So CM Punk versus Shawn Michaels. To my knowledge, this never happened. I looked it up. I couldn't find it. Shawn could still go at this time. This was part of his comeback era. Uh, I think this would be an amazing match. And fingers crossed, Shawn would be willing to put Punk over uh, because I do why I said, I don't think you need to have punk eliminate like eight dudes with the Anaconda device, putting him <laughs> over Shawn Michaels 
uh, would be great for him and his career. And at the same time, ECW was like its own little pocket over here, you know, to the right. So even a loss by Sean, you know, Sean Michaels can absorb any loss at this point, especially. But the fact that it's like to an ECW dude on an ECW pay-per-view, more or less, isn't going to factor into any storylines. So this is basically me putting on the best match I thought I could figure out Right. And and using it to hopefully strap a rocket to Punk's ass uh, in a different way than what Heyman wanted to do. I like that. My gosh, I mean, that's like, a, you know, certainly a low key dream match there. And it would have been great to see that actually happen. Uh, it's always more frustrating when, you know, it could have happened because they were both around at the same time. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, no, that would have been great, you know. I, you know, I would be shocked if, if Michaels did the job in this case. I know if it were WWE, I could certainly see them having Michaels go over, but he probably would. But again, fancy booking, fingers crossed. I would want Punk to win. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, no, yeah, that that would be great for sure. Um, so my next match, and I did some similar to what you would, you said you had a segment that turned into a match. So mm-hmm. that's what I have going on here. Yeah. So uh, you have rated RKO coming out to do a promo. They had stuff going on with DX at this time. So you have them coming out, cutting a promo. Maybe it's about DX or just how great they are, whatever you want to do. And you have Heyman or whoever come out and, you know, announce that they're going to have a match or maybe you have rated RKO say, you know, we're willing to take on anybody, you know, we're, we're a great tag team. But who do you have come out? You have the reuniting world's greatest tag team, Charlie Haas and Shelton Benjamin come out. Now, this happened a week after this event. So Haas came out with uh, Benjamin and I think celebrated a victory Benjamin had like on Raw the next night after this event. And then a week after that, they did actually reunite. Now, they, they had had a few, but really didn't do a ton what better way to kickstart them again? Have them come out, reuniting as the world's greatest tag team, face rated RKO. And you know what? I would have them go over with maybe some DX interference, maybe Triple H interference, whatever you want to say. I would have the world's greatest tag team go over and you're nobody's losing out on this because these are all four great guys, especially at the time. So first rated RKO versus the world's greatest tag team. Yeah. That's a great match. Did you say who you would put over? Yeah, yeah, we, 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 we talked all about this. You were uh, on another planet, I think, at this time. I, I was. <laughs> um, yeah, I would have the world's greatest tag team go over okay. via interference from DX somehow. Oh, via DX, uh, okay. Uh, maybe, it's, maybe it's just Triple H. We'll get more on that later. But right. I, would have, I would have some sort of interference by DX to cause Rated RKO to lose. Okay. I, okay, I'm back on this planet with you now. All right, <laughs> I like the idea. You know, world's greatest tag team were, of course, a great tag team. And getting them back together, especially since that's a real thing that happened, was great. I like rated RKO. I think that Orton and Edge worked well together. Yeah. And uh, the fact that you're incorporating DX to kind of do, you know, have rated RKO versus DX be something while putting over the world's greatest tag team, you know, again, you know, same thing I try to do in my booking, you do in yours, is where even in a loss, you're not so much protecting someone like WWE does a lot, but you're putting everybody over. Like right. everybody's getting something that makes them look good to a degree, or at least doesn't make them look bad. To right. So good stuff once I figured it out. Okay. <laughs> so we're up to my main event. And it is, and you're not going to like it. It is a Hell in a Cell weapon of choice match for the ECW World Heavyweight title featuring Big Show, who was the champion at the time, with a barbed wire baseball bat versus Bobby Lashley with a steel chair. So as I said, I didn't want to do an elimination chamber because I wanted to break those guys out, but you still need a big spectacle for the main event. So I went with a Hell in a Cell, which is kind of the next step down, I would say, from an elimination chamber. Lashley versus Big Show and moving the title to Lashley was what was going on in ECW at the time anyway. So this makes sense to make them the main event, even though on paper this might look like a lackluster main event. 
both these guys were good to great at different times. Lashley may have his best period going on right now. Uh, so this was initially peak for either guy, but both these guys can work. And I think this is a brawler slash power wrestler type of bout. And the fact that you have this in um, a Hell in a Cell and you're giving them weapons, I think that plays into the strengths of probably both these guys at this time. And in the actual Elimination Chamber match, there was this duel between Lashley and Show where he's used the show's using the bat like as a club or sword and Lashley's using the chair to block. And that's one of the more memorable images from the show. So you could still have that spot. You can still have that moment and other spots where they're using the cage against each other. And uh, of course, uh, since Lashley did win this or win the main event and win the title, originally and show was leaving shortly after this i think he wound up to put lashley over on tv um on the next tv show and then left i would of course have lashley win now i assume that you're putting the title on somebody else even if you the ecw belt plays into your show uh but as i said i wanted to keep it more ecw focused and that's where i wound up where i'm at no hey that would have been that would have been a great tough guy match for sure. Um, you know, show could still go at this time and Bobby Lashley was, was great. So yeah, I mean, that would, that would be a great hell in a cell match for sure. Um, and it keeps with the ECW theme and I think it would have been a good main event to still kind of accomplish what they wanted to accomplish anyway. So at this point I have three more matches to go. Oh, I, you know, I didn't count my stuff and I should have, because I didn't realize that I only had seven well, it would be what the it would be nine if you count the segment in the dark match. I guess I had nine. But, right, and you know, looking but, at my pay per view, my pay per view is definitely not is definitely above three hours. But uh, <laughs> anyway, well, anyway, keep keep going. Let's let's hear the last three. And so, my number seven match initially in the in the original pay per view, you had Balls Mahoney versus Matt Striker. Mm-hmm. Here, I would have Matt Striker versus Rey Mysterio. It's a two out of three falls match. Now, here's what I have. Here's what I do. So the original okay. match had strikers rules. So the first fall is strikers rules, which in case anybody didn't know, it was a strict adherence to the rules of wrestling with the right, and all that stuff. It was like a, a strict adherence to those rules. So that's the first fall. The second fall, Lucha Libre rules. So you have in the, you would have a count to 20 if you're on the outside if somebody tries to take off the mask, it's a disqualification. You can win via knockout. So there's some slight differences to Lucha Libre rules, but they are very close to standard yeah. American wrestling rules. I would have, now I don't know what you do, but I'm kind of real quick. I would have Stryker lose this fall via trying to take the mask off because he doesn't know any better. Right, exactly. That's exactly what I had in mind. And the third okay. fall would be no DQ. So... Stryker lost the match against Balls Mahoney. I would certainly have him lose to Rey Mysterio here. Right. But uh, you have different rules, and then you have the DQ at the end. Uh, the no DQ at the end, I should say. So you have three different distinct falls. Um, and, you know, Matt Stryker obviously was on his way to being uh, a commentator. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, now, now I, I, I would assume you're going to do some lead-in stuff. So, so, so basically, the feud that Stryker had with Balls Mahoney would just be transferred to Ray. Yeah, in a way, yeah. yeah. In a way, I like I like the idea of the fact that that you're incorporating the Strikers rules and what Strikers gimmick and concept and idea was. But since you got him going against Ray, and Ring Ray brings in that lucha libre element, you know, he was always the oh Mexican wrestler guy, even though he really wasn't. Right. Uh, they they hung that on him. So having the Luce Libre rules, and I think you would definitely need the commentators to explain those rules and get them over. Yeah. And I think in the first fall, which is similar to the Balls Mahoney match, is you would have, I think, Striker calling Ray out and every little thing to the ref, but cheating behind his back. This could, this could be a really short match. Also. It could be. You know, you, you could have, you, it could be like, it could be stupid if you really want it to be. It could be like yeah. you know, Ray getting disqualified in the first fall, 
striker mm-hmm. getting disqualified in right second, and then you have no dq that's probably you know what that's probably the smart way to book it so you would do a couple minutes and have Ray do something stupid like punch Stryker in the face yeah, or yeah. throw him over the top rope or something like that. And then you come back and you have Stryker, you know, try to take the mask off. So less than five minutes, you've got two DQ falls and then you get the new DQ match. And you let that go a little bit. Right. And, you know, and this would be, I think, a carry job by Ray, nothing against Stryker. But I think Ray's going to be putting in all the heavy work to get the match over. And definitely he should win. So it's a cool concept. I never would have thought to do something like that. But I like how you did actually use the striker rules from the pay-per-view that you incorporated. Right. Well, uh, my number eight match is John Cena versus Umaga for the WWE Championship. So at the last event, Survivor Series, you had uh, King Booker, the World Championship being, you know, being uh, taken place on that pay-per-view. It would be a little bit until John Cena and Umaga would have their their first match. I would kick it off here, and you know, if this since this is not my main event, the likely way to go is you would have Cena lose by DQ. Say, mm-hmm. you still have Umaga have you know maintain his undefeated streak. He's not been pinned. He's not been submitted. We know that Cena would be the first to do that. And one of my biggest issues with how WWE books some of these monster guys is they have this undefeated streak. And as soon as that's done, then they go down, down, down the card. And mm-hmm. so I would have Umaga go over here. Initially, you could also have Umaga win the title if you really wanted to and have Cena win it back. But if you really, if you wanted to be more logical, I would have Cena win by, Cena lose rather by DQ. That keeps the feud going. And then you can have Cena um and umaga's undefeated streak so the, the the other thing i would maybe do is have a double count out have them just brawl to the back right yeah you could i thought about that as well too mm-hmm. i just think that that title needed to be there needed to be a big like that title needed to be defended mm-hmm. here there needed to be a, some more titles and again if you wanted this random odd pay-per-view as it were uh have people talking about it having a hot shot title change even if umaga loses it back the next day on raw right was certainly to get something to people talking because no one would have expected that. No one would have guessed that. Right. And again, it's a way to get Umaga over while not really hurting Cena, especially if he's winning it back the next night. Uh, but yeah, I, I think the, the smart way here would be to have a DQ or count out ending just to kind of start the feud between the two of them and let that play, you know, through the rumble. And um, again, you know, my difference here is I would probably go with the double count out the yeah. DQ for Cena is fine, but I, but I, I but I like the idea that if if it's a brawl to the back, then it leaves it completely unfinished between them. Maybe more unfinished than even a DQ. Right. So it's both guys wanting that rematch. Yeah. No, I like that as well. Um. So my last match, as I renamed my pay per view, Elimination Chamber. Yeah. Logically, the last match is an Elimination Chamber match. You know what you should have opened with the Elimination Chamber. See, it's funny you mentioned that. So okay. initially I did that. I went back and forth with this card a few times in that I was going to have John Cena Umaga end the, end the night. And, but then I thought to myself, I really don't want to keep the December to dismember name, but like, how do I do that? Like it can't be survivor series. It can't be no way out. It can't be obviously new year's revolution. So like, what do I do? I can, all these pay-per-view names are taken, so it's it like, could be okay. seasons beatings. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that yeah. was an ECW pay-per-view. That's true. That's yeah. true. So I yeah, I went back and forth on this. I was gonna have it open, but I was like, well, if I still want to make the ECW brand a highlight, I'll have it end the the night and have that be the main event. So mm-hmm. I still have the Elimination Chamber match for the ECW Championship. My lineup is a little bit different, though. So, obviously, Big Show is defending the title. It's Big Show versus CM Punk versus RVD versus Bobby Lashley versus Mick Foley versus Shawn Michaels. So, here's my logic. First of all, I would like to say my initial idea was CM Punk versus Mick Foley. And I looked all over the place, and I couldn't find where Foley was around. Right. And since I was already using my mega cheat, to bring in the new age outlaws i i didn't use foley 
I used Michaels. So I just wanted to mention that. You could oh, explain. yeah. So, like, he was around, and but he was obviously not doing consistent matches. He would do stuff here and there, but he was not doing anything consistent. He was obviously past his prime here. But my logic in having Mick Foley and Shawn Michaels in this match is they want to be included in this match because this is a title that they never won. So you have Shawn Michaels as, you know, this guy who, you know, the triple crown and all this stuff. He's won all these titles, but he hasn't won the ECW championship and Mick Foley as well. When he even had a stint in the original ECW and he didn't win the ECW title as well. So you have these two guys who want to put themselves in the mix because it's a title they've never held. I would still have Bobby Lashley go over here. So I would have Bobby Lashley go over. I might have it come down to Bobby Lashley and CM Punk, you know, something to that effect. But I would have Mick Foley and Shawn Michaels look good in the process. I would have Mick Foley get over somebody like a CM Punk or an RVD. I would have Shawn Michaels, you know, have a good showing. But I would have Bobby Lashley win because that was the ultimate goal. And as it was coming down the pike, you would have Bobby Lashley uh, and Umaga and the whole McMahon Trump situation was uh, was coming down the pike. So that would be how I ended my pay per view. You have Bobby Lashley standing tall. You get over the ECW brand by having these two legends wanting to be a part of this brand. Let's if we're if we want to get the brand over, let's not make it look like the redheaded stepchild that nobody wants to be a part of. Let's have it be something that people want to be a part of. Let's give it some sense of prestige, if you can, and have that be the main event. Have McFoley and Shawn Michaels there. Shawn Michaels won an Elimination Chamber match. To the best of my knowledge, Foley was never in one. Uh, so, yeah. So, while you're talking, I looked I, I looked up the Grand Slam, and Shawn Michaels... Uh, I don't know what you would call it. He's actually has six titles to his name. Right. He won the WWF WWE title, the World Heavyweight title, the World Tag Team titles, the Raw Tag Team titles, the Intercontinental title, and the European title. And actually, Jericho doesn't won better. He won the hardcore belt. So Jericho has had right. seven titles in WWE. Well, when Shawn Michaels was in his prime, like they made a really big deal about him being this triple crown winner right you know when he won the european title which is probably one of the main reasons they gave him that you know so that he could have that accolade too yeah i think that was the grand i think that was the grand slam i think the european title gave him him the grand slam because he was already telling himself the triple crown you know i like that you kept the elimination chamber and you kept a lot of the original guys you bumped up rvd which makes total sense and you brought in two individuals that would make sense to use in mcfoley and Shawn michaels so, um, and those would be great guys to have involved here. And I think it's it's a shot in the arm that does boost ECW, like you said, with closing the ECW title. And the fact that you're bringing in Foley and Michaels with them both saying, hey, I want to win this belt because I've never had it. That elevates the title. That makes the title look good. That makes everybody in the match look good. Now, I don't know if you said, uh, is this still with the weapons? Oh, I meant to touch on that. I guess it could be if you really, I thought about that as we were talking and I was like, well, what would Shawn Michaels weapon be? God, you know, maybe God, I don't know. Um, (laughs) (laughs) He's like, he's like shooting like, 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 uh, like Hadoukens, you know, (laughs) but it's like, it's like the force of God coming out of his hand. Foley could have the barbed wire bat. So yeah, you could, you could have, you could have still be this an extreme elimination chamber match. Yeah. I don't know. I'm trying to think of like a weapon that maybe, maybe Hunter could loan him the sledgehammer. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Yeah, because they were they were friendly. Uh, yeah, it could be a backstage segment where Sean's like, I don't know what weapon I want to use. I don't know what I'm going to do. And Hunter just shows up and just very silently, you know, like holds the hammer, hands it <laughs> off to him. I think that's cool. I think Absolutely. that's a cool idea. So I would do that. But no, that, that would be a hell of a main event and a hell of a closer. And again, even though you didn't focus on ECW like I did, you may wind up getting ECW over more as a brand than I did with that main event and the focus that you're putting on the belt by such top level talent. And that's what I mean. Like, you know, you, you did a great job, you know, kind of honoring the vintage uh, ECW stuff and the ECW stars while also pushing 
what the ECW brand was at the time. So I think we both had cards. We both had different trajectories. I'm a little worried about how long my pay-per-view would be. Um, but <laughs> I think you, I would have to go back and review all the matches. I think you would have to have a couple really short matches. Yeah. The two out of three falls with Stryker and Mysterio would have to be really short as we discussed. Yeah. <laughs> I think you would have to have a couple under 10 minutes to, yeah. to get, cause that elimination chamber is going to be what, like at least, aren't they like at least a half hour? Half, like, yeah. At least half hour, 45 minutes, depending. Yeah. 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 Depending on how, how quick you let the guys out and such. So, yeah, I mean, so you've got a long show and I've got like a short show. I mean, I've, I've almost gotten in your house. Which I mean, makes sense. <laughs> a shorter show makes sense in a way because, yeah. this, as we've talked about, this was an extra pay-per-view in between, yeah. you know, two main ones. So, yeah. So, regardless of closing, I think we both probably booked something a lot better than what Vince and Stephanie came up with. Yeah, yeah. Uh, because maybe it's because we understand what ECW was maybe right. it was because like you you said well I'm just going to put on the best show I think I can put on with all the talent I've got available or like me having the idea well how can I marry the two concepts of what it was and what it is uh but yeah this just came comes down to I think a show where it was booked by people who necessarily didn't understand what ECW was and the fact that the creative and the writing was extremely messing during this period at least in my opinion, and that was primarily on the head of Stephanie McMahon. Yeah, and you know, you have obviously Heyman understands what the what ECW needs to be, but he's obviously was too outspoken and too in your face and maybe too relentless about what he wanted and what it should be, and it was just kind of a recipe for disaster. Um, so it's unfortunate that the pay per view is is not very good, but uh, we had fun redoing it. And uh, I'm sure we will get to another rebook at some point. Leonard and I will have to discuss what that might be, but uh, we'll get we'll get to it. Maybe WrestleMania nine. We talked about that one. We talked about that one. You know what? Heroes of wrestling. Heroes of wrestling. There you go. That's the worst. That's considered one of the worst pay per views of all time. I don't think you can make that good. <laughs> well, challenge accepted. Maybe, uh, maybe, yeah, that might be the next one if you use the talent available. I don't think that you can make that good. All right. Well, stay tuned. And for Leonard, my name is Chad. Please check out our uh, our show on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Give us a five-star review if you think we earned it. And we will see you next week.